Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Tonight's scripture reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 26 through 28. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. Therefore David arose and went, he and his men, and killed two hundred men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michal, his daughter, as a wife. Thus Saul knew. Thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him. I'd like for you to open your Bibles, please, to First Samuel chapter eighteen. And this evening, I'm going to preach a sermon that's going to involve going to a number of different passages in a succession, and so you'll be able to benefit from the sermon more if you have a copy of the Bible in front of you and you can follow along. We're going to start in just a couple of minutes in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Wonderful to see you here tonight. We have a lot of people who are visiting. In the Collie House, we have our son Caleb and Becca and Maggie and Ellis Glenn. And if you haven't met them, I hope you will tonight. And when we were doing some of the apologetics card tonight, I thought about Caleb. That, that originated with Caleb. Caleb, one of, one of his fortes is apologetics, and he just does a terrific job with it. And so Cindy and I were at their house one night a couple of years ago, and they were working on this card, or this, uh, these, these lists. And I said, Caleb, we've got to make a kids sing card out of this. And it's been one of our most popular cards, and I just love it, and the kids have enjoyed it so much. And so it was fun to have him here to, to be a part of it at West Huntsville. I want to say a word about what James said about Ukraine. And when you pray, I, a few of us in this room have been in Kharkov at this time of year. And it's hurts you cold. It's not a little bit cold. It's hurts you cold. And I hadn't really thought about an objective of the shelling being to knock out that infrastructure, but... I can see how that might happen. And what I think we should pray is not only for the protection of the Christians, especially there, and that the war will cease, but we should also pray that, that we will have opportunity, should the Christians survive this, that there, there will be so much need, there will be so much need among the people in that city, and that we will be able to somehow help to help the church there, to help others, so that people will look to the Lord's church and say, now those are people who care about us. Those are people who carry the love of Jesus to others. And I know your hearts, and I know that you feel like I do, that it would sure be a joy to be able to help with that. And our James and the mission committee and, and our elders will, I'm sure, keep us posted about what we can do. They'll lead us in that. I want, to, I want to tie together a couple of passages of Scripture tonight for our sermon. I don't plan to preach a long time, but, but who knows, maybe I will. But in Matthew chapter 19, you have a quote that, from Jesus, 
in verse 5 that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. But what's interesting is you also find it in Mark chapter 10, and what's also interesting is you find it down in Ephesians chapter 5, about verse 31. And it's like this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. Now, don't you think it's interesting that from the very beginning of the Bible and, and down there a little closer to the end in one of the epistles, and then in between you have this repeated over and over again. Now, the Bible wouldn't have to say something four different times in order for it to be important. Once is plenty, but for it to say it four times puts emphasis on this. Leave and cleave and become one flesh. I want to tell you the account of the the first marriage of David. When I make reference to David's wife, who comes to your mind? Now, I know we just had a scripture reading that gave it away, but who, who would come to your mind when you think, if I say David's wife, would you think about Bathsheba? Perhaps. Well, you'd be right. She was one of his wives. But who was his first wife? Maybe you'd think, well, maybe Abigail, because Abigail's probably the the second most famous one. And I think in his later years, of course, you can make a case that he loved Bathsheba the best. But there was Abigail. But I want to talk about the first one. And the first wife was Michal. And Michal was the daughter of King Saul. So what I want to do tonight is is to walk through the scriptures that have to do with this marriage and this strange relationship. When you think about the British hierarchy right now, the, the crown, and you, you think about the, the king and his queen and the immoral mess that, that surrounds that leadership or whatever you'd call it, uh, that, it's, it's shocking to think about it. But I'm telling you, they don't hold a candle to David and McCall. The story is intriguing and true. So, when you get to 1 Samuel chapter 17, with which we're all familiar, you have David fighting Goliath. We don't know exactly how old he is. I'm going to make some reference to some, some time frames here that I've gotten from Clark's commentary. Clark has spent a lot of time working on dates, and I don't know if he's always right, but it gives us kind of an idea. So maybe he was uh, 18, 19 years old when he fights Goliath, and that takes his life. But what's interesting about that relative to our sermon this evening is is that the king, Saul, had made a promise that that whoever kills, this is chapter 17, verse 25, middle of the verse, whoever kills him, Goliath, the king will enrich with great riches, give him his daughter, give him his father's house, exemption from taxes in Israel. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Now, I don't know if it, it would be a great blessing to be promised the king's daughter. If, I mean, if she was a really pretty girl, you'd say, well, I think I would like that. I don't know. But in this case, it seemed like David wanted to do this. And David was really excited about being the son-in-law to the king. What's missing from this is, is love. It wasn't about love. It was, I, we can't really grasp this, that some political arrangement, an award for valor would be that you get to marry the king's daughter. And so we get to chapter 18. This should be easy because David killed Goliath. We all know that. And so next happens is a wedding, right? And that's, but that's not, that's not what happened. The first point, I'm going to walk down. I I formed these into points to make it easier to follow. We're in chapter 18. I'm going to start with verse 17. And here's the first one. McCall loved 
David. And Saul said to David, here's my older daughter, Merib. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, not my hand, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. It just smells a lot like what's going to happen later on in David's life with Uriah the Hittite. Can you remember? Put him in the hottest battle, let him be killed. Well, that was what was going to happen to David. Saul had an idea that, you know what, I'm getting rid of this man. It wasn't that Saul didn't like him at the beginning. He really liked him when he killed Goliath. That was a wonderful thing. And Saul puts him over, over his army and a thousand men, and he makes him very powerful, and everybody's happy until some women sang a song. I know this sounds funny, but it's what happened. They're coming back from battle, and the women start singing a song as David enters back into the city that, that Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And I don't know. I don't, I don't think that, that men... I don't think human beings were cut out to be kings. We, we just don't handle that kind of power very well. And Saul now is just so afraid of his throne being taken away. He lives with this fear. And now this silly song, there wasn't anything to that. Why shouldn't he be grateful that he has David on his side and part of his kingdom and all of that? But that wasn't how it was. Now he starts eyeing David from that day forward. He really wants David to be killed. It's just insane. It's truly insane. And so here's the idea. He, he owes him a daughter because David killed Goliath. And Miriam is the, Miriam is the, is the daughter, the oldest daughter. <clears throat> and he figures, though, I'm going to get him to fight. So Saul has, has his servants to get to David and say, you know what really pleased the king about to marry his daughter is, is if you could bring evidence of a hundred kills, Philistine kills. If you could go and It'd just be like a dowry. It would just, just be wonderful if you could go and, and do this. For the, it just really pleased the king. And then parenthetically, the narrative says it's because he figured the Philistines would kill David. He, you can't kill a hundred Philistines. Well, of course, he didn't, didn't count in to factor in the fact that David had the blessing of God. David brings back 200. But in the meantime, brace yourself for this. I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 19. You probably want to make a mark in your margin it happened at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel. Uh, Saul married her off to a different man while, while in the process. It's just that Saul was so sure, he was so confident that David wouldn't survive this, that he went ahead and married the daughter off to somebody else. Well, then here's how this develops. And so then McCall, the Bible says... Tells her daddy, I, I love David. Well, why not? She's the younger daughter. I, she wasn't in this mix. She wasn't anything. I don't even know if David knows she exists. But she's noticed him, this young shepherd boy. And he's strong and he's good looking. And he conquered Goliath. He wasn't afraid. He's brave. When everybody else was cowering, David was strong. Now he's over. He's a military leader. And Saul is so proud of him. And she's crazy about David. Now, the word love has to be in quotes here. Again, I don't know if David even knows she exists. He doesn't love her. She's just the, but, but she is the king's daughter. And he would very much be honored to be the son-in-law to the king. So number one is David, or Michelle, or Paul, uh, loved David. Now, I want to drop down to verse 27. So they, they married he, David brings 200 foreskins, evidence of kills of the Philistines, 
to Saul. What was he going to do? What was he going to do except allow David and McCall to marry? It must have been a very fine wedding. And, and this is their first marriage. They're young, and I presume that they're happy. They're going to be married for a while, and David now is very popular, and, and she's the king's daughter, and, and that's where we are. So the bottom of 27 says, Saul gave him a call as his daughter, his daughter as wife. Now let's go to 1 Samuel 19, verse 11. And now she delivered David from death, from great potential harm. So verse 11, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and kill him in the morning. This is... I told you, he's, he's thirsting for the blood of David, and he's just crazy. He's insane. He, he wants David dead. And, and I don't know if it strikes you, but it stops me in my tracks to think that he doesn't love his daughter. He doesn't love McCall. The very idea that he would marry her to this man, and, and then he would turn around, I mean, right away, and seek to secretively kill David is just beyond me power. I'm telling you, the power was too much and he was drunk on it and he would do anything to protect his throne and he feels like it's threatened by David. And so what she's going to do is is to let David escape at night. She says, my daddy's going to kill you. You've got to get out now. Run, run. And so she lets him out of a window. I guess he kisses her goodbye. That's going to be 14 years before they see one another again. I know that's shocking, but that's what's going to happen. So David runs for his life and she stays there. When the time is right, Saul sends his messengers to come and fetch David. Bring him to me because I'm going to kill him. And she knows that. So what she does is to take an idol, put some hair to it, put it in a bed and cover it up to fake, to look like it's David. And the servants come in and say, and she goes, well, he's, he's ill, he's sick. Got to leave him alone. Okay, okay. And they go back to Saul and say, he's sick in the bed. And Saul says, I want you to just bring him to me on a cot if he's sick because I'm going to kill him. And so then, then the, the, the hoax is revealed, and, and she said, well, I'm sorry I lied, of course, but there wasn't anything I could do because he told me before he left that if I didn't cover for him, he'd kill me. Little liar? Well, she, she's lying too. And what's she doing with an idol in her room? What is she doing with that? So it raises some questions, the answer to which we don't know. Now, she delivered David then from death. Now let's go to chapter 25. I want to start in verse 44. Chapter 25, verse 44. A couple of years pass. They don't see each other. They can't call on the cell phone. They can't do email. None of that exists. They don't have any communication. It's troubling to me that David didn't come back and fetch her, but his life is threatened. What's he going to do? Is he going to wage war against Saul? Unlikely. Why didn't she escape and and, and find her husband? And I, I, I don't know the answers to those things. What I know is this, both of them remarry. So in this chapter, chapter 25, you have this rather remarkable discussion about Abigail. And and you should, if you haven't read that recently, you should do that. It's just a fascinating account. But you get to verse 42 and the Bible says that Abigail became David's wife. David also took, verse 43, Ahinoam of Jezreel. And so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michal, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was, who was from Galliam. 
Okay, so, so now they've married others. Now, now they've taken other people to be their mates. All right, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 3 now. We're going to jump to 2 Samuel chapter 3, and I want to be in verse 13. The, the setting is this. Abner, who is the captain of the host of the Israelite army, he's Saul's right-hand man. I think he was his cousin, in fact. And Abner is a big man. Ab- Abner's a powerful man. The one who's ruling now is Ishbosheth. Now, we think about the kings of Israel, the early kings being Saul, and then we skip to David and we go on from there. But that, that's not really accurate because there was a period in there of at least a couple of years when Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, ruled in Israel as king. David was king over Judah for about seven and a half years, and he ruled from Hebron. Ishbosheth wasn't a good man. I guess maybe that's why we just kind of gloss over him, but Ishbosheth wasn't, wasn't such a good man. Abner gets sick and tired of, of Ishbosheth, and there's a, there's a discussion about the argument that comes between them. But, but Abner comes to David and he says, look, I know I've been the supporter of Saul. I know that I'm the captain of his army. I know that. But I also know that you're the man to be king over Israel. You're the man to be over all of Israel. And so you you just come and follow with me, and I'll go with you, and I'll make sure that you're the king over all. Well, that was pretty appealing to David. But David said, okie doke, I'll tell you what, I'll do it. But there's only one condition. One condition. Ready? I'm in... 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 13. And David said, good, I'll make a covenant with you. But one thing I require of you, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, give me my wife Michal, whom I betrothed to myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel, the son of Laish, then her husband went along with her to, to Bayurim, weeping behind her. So Abner said to him, go, return. And he returned. Did she love him? Well, I suppose she did. But you're talking about a long time. It's been 14 years since the separation of David and Michal. It's been 14 years. And, and you say, well, yeah, they're, they're remarried. To other people. Yeah, well, not just that. I mean, we're in chapter 20, we're chapter 3 of 2 Samuel. Kick back up to, to verse 4 and 5, and you'll find a discussion. Well, verse 2, 3, 4, and 5. David has at least six other women now. At least six other women. He's king, and he's got power, and he can have anything he wants. And he's not finished yet. And so he fetches McCall. She's older. It was different back then, you know, when they married. He was the shepherd boy, handsome, strong, gaining, growing in power. She was the king's daughter. She was somebody, somebody. But now all of this is time, time has passed, and what's happened now is that he's the king. I mean, he's the powerful one. What is she? She's the daughter of a deceased king who was disparaged, who was, who was lost. What's she got? And now she stands there. Now, she, she's been taken away from her husband. Now, I'm not disputing the fact that what was, what, that was adultery. That was just wrong. It was wrong. And why God permitted polygamy, I, I don't know. I, I understand 
that he did understand that Acts 17 and verse 30 says, the times of this ignorance God winked at, now commands all men everywhere to repent. I understand the argument, about, I, uh, but I don't, I don't grasp it. I don't know why God permitted people like David to, to live in polygamy. It doesn't make sense to me, and it always turned out bad. It always did. But he, here he is. He's married to all these women. Now, here's, here's McCall, and she's, she's been relieved of her husband, and she watched him in tears. I mean, he was crying as he left her, and there she is, and now she goes, and she hasn't seen David, her husband, in all these years. Now he's got all these women. She had to turn loose of her husband in order to reconcile with David. He still considers her one of his wives, but he didn't turn loose of his wives. He didn't say, I love you, and let's get back together, and I'll, I'll, I'll clean my hands of all this, and it's just going to be you and me, babe. What do you say? It's not what he said. What he said is, hey, good to see you. Go back to your room. You know, and I don't know. He, uh, why would David want McCall back, and why would he make this such a big deal? I think there are two possibilities. At least there's two I can think of. One would be political. I don't think that's it. Why does David need to marry Saul's daughter again? Well, Saul, Saul is a goner. He's no, he's no influence. He has no power. He's dead. He's gone. David's got everything he wants politically. Everything he wants. The only second possibility I can think of is romance. That is sentimental. And David looks back in his heart and he thinks, wow, she sure was pretty and she was crazy about me. Then we have a lot of fun that, that year that we lived together. We were married for a year, give or take, before we were split up. And uh, I'd kind of like to see her again. Now, excuse me, but 14 years probably made some difference in a lot of different ways. You think so? Anyway, when, when, I don't know what he expected when McCall comes back and, and she's escorted in. And I, all I can tell you is that it never was good. It was not good. Now let's go to Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse 16. Here's the next one. This is the last one in this list. And she despised David. Now this is going to be approximately six years later since the reconciliation. He's brought her in. She's part of his harem, if you please. And uh, she, she is known as the childless one. That's emphasized, is that she never had children. The implication of that is that she and David didn't reconcile really as husband and wife. That's not what happened. He just possessed her. That's what happened. But when you get down to chapter 6 of Second Samuel, drop down to verse 12. And you have this despising. I won't read all of this passage to you, but what happened is this. David wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the tabernacle on Zion. He wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. That's going to be the position of his power, you see. And, and he feels like to honor the Ark of the Covenant, that's where the Ark of the Covenant should be. And so he brings it. Now you have the, the tipping of the Ark and the, the, the execution of Uzzah or Isaiah, Isaiah, rather, and, and so he dies. And, and David is mad with God, and why did you do this? God explained how the ark was to be transported. And so now you get to this passage, and, and in transport, David is being much more careful. 
Verse 13, so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Must have taken a long, long time. Every six paces they did sacrifice. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the, shout, the sound of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Stop a second. Okay, so there's two different ideas about this. And one is that, that David disrobed and, and he, he performed an illicit sort of unseemly sort of dance. I doubt that. The other, the other idea is that he took off his kingly attire and he, he dressed with this this linen ephod. He looked like a commoner. And he did this, this dance, this dance that he considered praise to God at the front of the Ark of the Covenant. I, I think that's it. And the reason I think that is that when you, when you see him coming into Jerusalem then, then I mean, he's, every six paces they're sacrificing to God. And when he gets into Jerusalem, he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. When David had finished, I'm in 18, David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. It doesn't sound to me like he was doing something lewd. I think he was doing something that depicted him as being just common. But he didn't exalt himself. But who would that offend? It might offend the daughter of Saul, who was already ill at ease about the fact that, that this man has her daddy's throne and look how he's, my daddy would have never dressed like that. My daddy wouldn't have done that. And now look what you've done. You've besmirched his throne. This is verse 19. Then he distributed all, among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins. The people all departed, everyone to his house. So he fed the people. Then David returned to bless his household. This is verse 20. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today. You reckon there's a little sarcasm in there? Uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. Oops, what? It? Uh, okay. Boy, that, that dart went back, didn't it? God chose me instead of your daddy. And all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified than this. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the account of David's first wife. Now, it's, it's sordid, and it's, it's sad, and it's ugly. And you have so many sinful characteristics of deceit and pride and all of that mingled in this one big bowl. But I did that to return back at the close of this sermon, which I want to present right now, to the, the passage that is found four times in Scripture 
Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, the twain shall be one flesh. There are three principles there applicable to how I want you to conduct your, your marriage. Now, some people are not ready to get married. Some people are not because they're not ready. A young man may, may really love her. I'm just crazy about her, but he, he's not interested in being a man who loves his wife like Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5. He's not ready for that. He's not mature enough for that. Maybe, maybe a young woman says, I really want to marry him because I love him. Well, but she's not ready yet to take on the responsibilities of Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, that the older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands, love their children, to be good, to be discreet and chaste and keepers at home and good and obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not blaspheme. I want to marry him, but I don't know. She's not ready. And you could carry that farther. Watch what they did. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother. You reckon that David and McCall violated that one? Are you kidding? The whole thing was about Saul. Saul fully believed he owned it, and he manipulated and tweaked it to to fit his own selfish purposes. He just wanted to get David dead, and he didn't care what happened to his daughter, McCall. Who cares? Saul was a despicable man. Despicable man. When you get married, you make sure that you tell your future spouse... And that you tell yourself, my home, when I use the term home, I don't mean my mom and daddy's house. I mean the house of my spouse. And our home is sovereign. We are a separate home, a separate family. You still love your mom and daddy, but that's not your primary place. Your primary place is with your husband or with your wife. Therefore shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. Did they violate that one? Are you kidding? Well, 14 years they were apart. I understand there were some extenuating circumstances, but they were apart 14 years. I preached a sermon recently about the intimacy of marriage and went to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and the Bible says, I don't want you to be apart for long periods of time. If you have to be apart, you come together again, that Satan tempts you not for your lack of self-control. In Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 10, Jesus says that, that if a man puts away his wife except to be for fornication, he causes her to commit adultery. What's that? I don't, you don't, you're not supposed to be apart. I, I intend for you not to be apart. Leave father and mother, cleave to your wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. One flesh doesn't just mean physically. It means emotionally and spiritually. It's two people growing together, and it takes time to do that. But it also, also takes a, a heart of deep commitment It'll make it uh, weather the storms through life. And the more storms you face, the more you understand about the anchor that's holding you together. And they violated that one too. I suppose then it's a good case study, this thing about McCall and David, to say, hmm, they got it wrong. I want to stand with the Lord. I want to stand with the Lord. I want to, I want to form my marriage, my home to be this way. And not that. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion, this narrative from the Scripture. Don't you love the Word of God? If there's somebody here tonight who wants to obey the gospel, now it's a wonderful time, and we will immerse you in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you'd like to study about that some more, I'll be happy to study with you or others. We have plenty of people here who will. We'll just sit down one-on-one and we'll talk about it and open the book. 
If you need the prayers of the Christians, well, we'll be so happy to do that. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. If you'd like to respond, come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.